there was a man's wife, and she died. And uh, when he's clearing out the husband's clearing out the attic, he comes across this box of blue dishes. And so he gives them to his daughter and uh, says, hey, use them or give them to Salvation Army. Well, she expected an old dinner set only to find that they were an exquisite china set that was very, very expensive, hand-painted, red, sort of gold rims, irreplaceable. And uh, yet for 20 years, none of the children have ever seen this fantastic uh, dinner set. And what had happened is that the mother had been given this dinner set piece by piece, and because they were, so, they were a bit poor and because they were so valuable, she'd wrap each item in a, a tissue, put it in a box, and then she put it up in the, um, in the attic. And, um, and so she kept it for a very, very special occasion. Uh, the problem is no special occasion ever came, and so she died and went to the grave with the greatest gift of her life, unopened and unused. The daughter used the gifts, dishes at every opportunity, and they finally got out of the box. There's no tragedy like the tragedy of unopened and unused gifts. You know, every one of us has been given amazing gifts by God, and we're to use them to serve Him. There's a great verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. I'm going to come on the screen for you, which says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. What for? For good works. Very specific good works, which God prepared in advance so that we should walk in them. What that verse is saying is that from the foundation of the world, God had you in mind, yeah. Yeah. you, yeah. as an individual, all right? Then he created you. Then he gave you gifts to use to serve him. Yeah. What we need to understand, friends, is that is the reason for your being. Yeah. It's the reason for your existence. Yeah. It's why God shaped you, created you, designed you with these gifts, with these abilities to serve him. And I want to say that if we don't do that, we live outside of God's plan for our lives. And we end up unfulfilled, dissatisfied, kind of an it. We pursue all these other things. And we're hoping for this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but it doesn't exist. And we're kind of left empty and dissatisfied in life. The reason being is we're not fulfilling the purpose for which we have breath today. Yeah. Are you getting this? Yeah. The reason you have breath today, why God shaped you, why he formed you. And as pastor, I reckon one of the greatest things I can do for you is encourage you, inspire you to use your gifts yeah. to serve God. Yeah. Probably one of the best things I could ever do because I don't want you to stand before God on that judgment day. And you, God's sort of going to say, well, what did you do with the gifts uh, that I gave you? And you're going to say, well, not a lot. And then he's going to say, well, which church did you go to? You're going to say, Church Unlimited. Who's the pastor there? It was Tark Martin. Did he not tell you about this? Well, I'll deal with him. No, no, I did tell you. 
That might be funny, but it's actually not. It's probably the best thing I could ever do for you. That's why there's these forms out here. If you're not yet serving in the church, please, not for my sake, not for the church's sake, probably not even for God's sake, for your sake. (laughs) Fill one in. Before you leave, before you go out these doors, and then when you stand before God, which you will, you'll have every confidence to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. How many of you would like to hear those words, by the way? About a third of us. <laughs> you really do all want to hear those words. So let's talk about this for a few minutes uh, this morning. Serving defined. It's going to, definition's going to come up for you there. It's this. So see where you fit here. Actively working to build and extend the kingdom of God in the church and the world, actively working to build the kingdom of God here in the church, but also in the world. That's what serving actually means. And so you often hear it said, don't you? The question to ask, and it comes from a great American who talked to a president who spoke about the the nation, but we change it to the church. He said, um, Ask not what can the church do for me, but what can I do for the church? Say to the person next to you, what can I do for the church? Oh, that's pretty quiet. It's pretty quiet. Get a bit of volume on that one. Come on, let's try it again. Tell the person next to you, what can I do for the church? That's good. Okay. Watch this. Watch this. The more, you need the, the more you meet the needs of the church, the more your needs will be met. You got a body. The more all the parts of the body serve the whole body, each part does well. The parts exist to serve the body. Not the body exists to serve the parts. It's just a different way of looking at it. And so... It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. And that's why I've called this message. Incredible cool things will come from this. When you fulfill the purpose for which you were born using your gifts, incredible things come in your direction. And I'll share with you some of those very, very shortly. But one thing I would ask you to consider is tithing your time to the church. 10% of your time. You know, you tithe your money, tithe your time. If you do 40 hours a week, that's four hours. You just tithe that to the church and... Find what, what, what you can do in one of the departments. You know, one of the things I'm very conscious of now is this message is preparing us for revival. Because yeah. when revival comes and souls are saved by the hundreds and the needs are just immense within the church, we're going to need uh, all of us serving. And I don't want to wait for the revival and then start serving. <laughs> I want us to be ready for when it comes. So the nets are ready. The nets are ready to contain what God is going to do. And I'm trusting and believing uh, that's not too far away. So we're going to all give our lives. You're going to give your life to something significant, I hope, between now and when you die. All right? We're all like that. My only question is, what's it going to be? What are you going to give your life to? in the years that you have left upon this planet. I trust 
It's going to be to serve God with all your heart, because that is the best thing of all uh, that we can do. So let's look at some of the incredible blessings that come this way when we use our gifts for God. Now, the first one is you develop true greatness, true greatness. We all want to be great. We may not admit it, but underneath, we all, you know, we want to do something significant. Let me give you some verses that will really stir your heart. Matthew 20, 26 and 28, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Wow. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If we're followers of Jesus, we serve. It's as simple as that. Then Matthew 23, verse 11, you know, the disciples were arguing among themselves, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus comes back and says, the greatest among you will be your servant. Wow. So that's the opposite to the world. The world, everyone wants to lead, but in God's kingdom, no, the greatest are the ones who serve. In the world, the world assesses success by how many people serve you. In the kingdom of God, it's success is how many people you serve. It's, it's the upside down gospel, and uh, hey, it's the way it's worked, and it's the way you find fulfillment and satisfaction as well. So we read in, uh, uh, in Philippians 2 verse 7, he made himself Jesus of no reputation, took on the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. You just think about that. So when God comes to earth and wants to show us what he is like, he doesn't come as a mighty warrior. He doesn't come as a great king. He doesn't come as a successful businessman or a CEO. He doesn't come anything like that. How does he come? He comes as a, hello, a servant. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like, can you put your head around this? Yeah. King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of the universe, cast billions of galaxies into play. All power, all authority, all anointing, everything comes to earth. Servant. Wow. Wash his feet. Heals the sick, casts out demons, reaches out to the, you know, the woman at the well, yeah. the, you know, the, 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 all the, the needy people, the lepers and the broken. He he's comes up, like I'm just thinking, this is the God we serve, folks. This is the God we serve. More than anything else, he is a servant. And so if we want to, I, my, you know, people say, you're never more like God when you love. And I think that's true. I want to add to that, you're never more like God when you serve. And that's when we see, you know, serving, serving is, is really is, is greatness. So the Bible teaches to be truly great, the direction you need to go is down. Yeah. Biblically, you descend into greatness. We're always trying to ascend to greatness. Jesus said, no, no, God said, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I know you all want promotion, you want to go, yeah, that's good, but as you do it, you serve more and more. So we descend into greatness. Not we ascend, oh, how can I have more people serving me? How can I be the head of this and head of that? Not that that's wrong, but it's just a different way of looking at. So God's strategy to save the world, to transform the world, God's strategy was what? Not king, not CEO, not business, servant. His strategy to transform the world. The more you're a servant, the more you're be an agent of transformation in the world, according to my Bible. Not sure what's in your Bible, but that's what's in my Bible. <laughs> so one of the most important qualities you and I can develop is servanthood. So turn to the person next to you and say, start washing the dishes. 
Turn the person on the other side and say, make your bed. <laughs> Tell someone behind you, put out the rubbish. <laughs> Tell the next person, do the vacuuming. And the last one, clean the pastor's shoes. <laughs> Got you all. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm going to clean your shoes. Mm, anyway, <laughs> got to change my Bible on that one. So when you see people serving, you see greatness. When you drive into the car park and you see the car park attendants, you're looking at greatness. When you look at the pulpit and see me, no, no, that's not greatness. It's not greatness. When you come through the doors and you see the ushers and the door people, you're looking at greatness. If you go outside of the building, this main auditorium, you go to kids' church and you see all serving there, you're looking at true greatness. All the people that serve in any part of our church, you're looking at greatness. And I want you to start thinking that now. Every time you see these people, you think, oh, greatness. That's Bible, friends. That's why you really want to become great. Get involved in serving. So you know, start filling this form in now, whenever you want to. Uh, you can do that. So Corrie Ten Boone put it this way, the measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. You know, people want to live to 100. I'm not sure why, but anyway, some people do. I mean, heaven's waiting. Why do you want to hang around here forever? Anyway, everyone wants to go to heaven. No one wants to die. That's the truth. But um, what was I saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lost my thought there. What was I trying to say? The, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not how long you live. It's what you contribute. Jesus did it all in 33 years, folks. Made the greatest donation on the planet. It's not how long you live, folks. Tell the person next to you, it's not how long you live. Come on, campus, let's tell somebody. Because that's all people think about. How long can I live? How can I live? No, no, no. It's not how long can you live. How can you serve God on a daily basis? That's the key. That is the key. If you do that, then you're going to have a greater donation. Some people are going to live to 100, but someone who lives to 25 does a, makes a greater donation to society. So you're going to say, oh, he lived to a great ripe old age. Well, great for him, but what did he do? What did she do in that? See, demons are reacting to this message, I tell you. They do not like, they don't want you to be great, you see, so trying to cut it all down, but we're going to keep going. All right, Ephesians 4.16. Now watch this. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. Read it with me, would you? Knit together by what? Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share Causes growth of the body for the edifying of the body of itself in love. So the Bible says every part does its share. We don't want you to do more than your share, but we don't want you to do less than your share. Every part does its share. Let's say that together. Every part does its share. Say it again. Every part does its share. That's the teaching of the Bible. Now you might say, come on, Pastor, ease up on us. Can I go back to the fact I'm doing you the greatest favor? Yeah. 
I can possibly do you. Because you will stand before God and give an account. You just, you just will. And, and sometimes, you know, that's why I, I'm a believer in preaching the whole book. You know, I don't want to leave out the parts people don't want to hear. Because when they stand before God, they're going to hear, how come they never told me about that? If only I had known, I would have changed how I live. Well, hopefully we can try and give you all the gospel uh, there. So why don't you grab your form right now? Because um, I want to just look at some of these areas because there's some very key areas in which we need help, all right? And I'm going to just highlight a few of them right now, and everyone's going to scream whose department I don't mention, but we really need, we really need help in the car park. We really need a lot of help in the car park. We need help with security. We need help also with children's kids' church is a big one. But all of these areas, ushers, we need a lot of help with ushers. Uh, all, all of these areas, uh, you can virtually go through each one of them. And, um, you know, I started putting this message together, and I started getting some thoughts on this. Do you know what's happened? Is COVID has knocked out a lot of workers. A lot of people who served in church before COVID no longer serve in church. And so churches across New Zealand are really struggling, big time. And pastors and leaders, many are depressed, they're discouraged, and they're quitting because they've lost the workforce. And they're thinking, we can't do this. So church after church. I just heard of a whole group of pastors got together recently in Auckland, and they're just, they're just depressed. They're so discouraged. Because the workforce has diminished significantly. It's really sad. The church has been battered by COVID. You may not have known that. Seriously battered by COVID. And it's affected a, a lot of people. And it's a, it's a very, very sad scenario that we're facing today. And, you know, I've been doing this for leading this church for 35 years. And I think I would say with honesty, I don't think um, more than ever before I can say you're needed. Yeah. After 35 years. More than ever before you are needed needed. Don't do it for me. Do it for God. Don't do it for church. Do it for God. He needs you. Uh, his kingdom needs you, the work of God. Please fill it in. But before you do, or as you do, I want to talk about something for a few moments. It was during COVID. God began to speak to me he kept saying to me, Tark, staff have heard this. I'll try and control myself here, but he said, don't forget the kids. He said, don't forget the kids. He said, Tark, don't, don't forget the kids. And I couldn't quite work out. I said, God, why are you so concerned about the kids? Do you know across our church and across New Zealand, the biggest area that's not come back is the kids? Zero to 13, roughly, that age group. And I thought, I started to understand why God said, don't forget the kids. But then I found this out. Every campus, 
please listen. If you don't listen to anything else, I don't care, but listen to this. You know, Christianity is never more than one generation from extinction. One generation, that's all it takes. It's happened across the globe. Many nations that were once Christian are no longer Christian. Completely gone. If we're not careful, it's going to happen here. In fact, it is happening here. But we've got to stop that trend. But then I found this out. By the age of 13, by the age of 13, your children, our children, have established their worldview, meaning everything they believe about themselves, their religion, their faith, their relationships, their gender, everything they've decided by age 13. No wonder God said to me, don't forget the children. So then what happens then is youth ministry, that begins a process of reworking all the beliefs that have been established. They're like the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, trying to sort it all out. So kids' ministry is a key to helping form the foundational beliefs that set them up for life, kids up for life. Imagine a world where young people are secure, confident, have a good self-esteem, have a strong faith, are filled with hope and filled with joy. And friends, we can get there. We can get there. We can get there if our kids' ministry is really, really strong and outstanding. There is no more important department in a church, I don't believe, than the kids' ministry. And we've got to put our best people in there. Yeah. We've got to put our resources in there. Yeah. We've got to put everything we can. Yeah. The finances, whatever it takes. Yeah. And I've made that decision. I said, God, you show me whatever it takes. If you have any gift with kids, please yeah. think about it. Yeah. Probably the greatest legacy you will ever leave yeah. on this planet yeah. is if you use your gifts with kids and input it into another generation, whether you're 15 or 75. In fact, we need older people in kids' church, quite frankly. We need older people. We need parents who know what it's like, who have been there, who've got a strong faith, that can impart it. But hey, we need every age, every age. And if you're not that gifted in kids, we'll train you and we'll help you. But please, would you seriously, seriously think of, I mean, all these areas, but kids is a huge, huge area because I believe we're gonna make a big difference in the future generations if we can get that sorted out. It's on my radar. I'll do everything in my power because I feel God has, has warned me very strongly. The kids, the kids, the kids. Don't forget the kids. Your kids we're talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about your grandchildren, folks. If we can model something at Church Unlimited, maybe you can spread across the whole country. You know, of, of churches finally, you know, getting the kids and the grandkids. By 13, friends, by 13, yeah. by 13, yeah. all their beliefs are established. Hey, parents, online, in-house, minimum, I'm pleading with you, minimum, get your ch kids to church every Sunday. Yeah. At minimum, get, get some input from God into their lives. Sure, you can do some at home, but you've got to do everything you can 
You know, parents, if you can't make it, get someone to pick your kids up. Contact our children's workers. We'll find someone to pick them up. We'll find a way to get them here. But I think that's the minimum you can do. Is anyone with me on this? Can we give the Lord a hand? Give him a clap. Give him a shout. Give him a praise. Give him something. So burdened. So burdened. You, you can ask my staff. I'm so burdened about this area. If you pour out to God, he pours back into you. There's no tragedy like the tragedy of unopened and unused gifts. You know, when you serve, God does do miracles. I had this testimony come through a while ago. A person who served in New Zealand and beyond, just last year they were sick and they were really out to it, but they kept on serving. And um, one of the prayers they'd been praying for a long time was to get a, a residence uh, visa. And one week after serving at conference, they got the visa, and they put it down to the fact that while they didn't feel like it, didn't want it, they still went and served, that God came through and answered their prayer. When you pour into God, God pours into you. When you do things for him, he'll do things for you. You know, and sometimes you can't connect uh, how the things work together. Let me just give you some scriptures on serving. So some of you might be thinking, can you give us a bit more Bible on this, Pastor? Well, let's go. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. This preaches for itself, doesn't it? Here's the next one. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Gosh, I feel this message. I feel it. It's the heart of God crying out. It's not just me. It's not just, I, know, I know when it's not me and it's him. He starts to speak. 1 Timothy 4.14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Hmm. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you. It is in you. How do you stir it up? You use it. The more you use it, the more you discover new gifts. You know, there's a thing of use it or lose it. And so let's be stirred up. Just a couple more thoughts as I begin to wrap this one up is the second incredible thing that will come to you as you serve as you develop into the person God created you to be. You know, we're created to be a certain person doing certain things with certain gifts. And as I've already said, one of the main things is using our gifts to serve God. And the more we serve and use our gifts, the more gifts we discover, the more we discover of the call of God on our lives. And you know, when you discover your purpose on earth and you begin to fulfill it, that's the pinnacle of life. That's the ultimate goal. And everything I'm sharing to you is just my testimony, really. You know, from the day I was saved. Yeah. said, here I am, God. 
You've done it all for me. Tell me what to do. I don't care what it is. Just tell me what to do. As many of you know, I drive out to Otara. I lived in Mount Roskill. Took us 30 minutes, 35 minutes to get there to teach some kids there. I had six in my class. I was so good, eventually we had no kids. <laughs> <coughs> Spend an hour there with the kids. Then we drove into church, another half an hour. So. I really spent probably over two hours before I got to church that morning. I was just a new Christian, maybe a year or two. Did that for numbers of years and prayed for those kids like crazy. Pleaded with God for them. I guess the rest is history. Just went from there. Forty years later, nothing's changed. Here I am, God. Tell me what to do. Go to Pakistan. Do I want to go? No. Off to Africa soon. Do I want to go? No. Don't like travel. I said to God, here I am, tell me what to do. I don't have to like it. I don't have to love it. just have to know, God, it's you. When I know it's you, then I do it. <laughs> Lastly, you grow spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. It's funny eh, how that works. Because you know when you serve, you get out of your comfort zone often and you have to go deeper in God. You have to start praying for the area you're serving in if it's not going that well. You know, you have to work with other people and we all know that's pretty hard. You have to deal with conflict. You have to forgive people that upset you and people who don't turn up for their roster. All that sort of stuff. You know, you grow. It grows emotionally. You, you build friendships. You build relationships. You become a part of community. But more than anything else, I think you find purpose. You find a reason for being. And you, know, you get stretched out of your comfort zone. And, um, but through serving, as I said before, we're agents of God's transformation of people and church and the world. Sometimes you can't attach your serving to transformation. So you think, well, I'm just on the door. I'm just an usher. I'm just in the car. No, no, no. God puts it all together. God puts it all together. So you're, you're positioning or you, you, you're, you're making it easy for people to come and encounter God. So you may not think, when you smile and shake someone's hand, you might think, well, that's nothing much. But it is. It is something. Because that person comes in here feeling, oh, wow, I'm welcome in this place. And they get a smile from the car park person. You know, it's just, it, it, it does something. 
and ultimately it helps people get changed and transformed. You know, when people work in the, I mean, we're all grateful, aren't we, that there's kids, church workers out there looking after our kids. I mean, how good. Come, let's give the big hand to all our kids' work. I mean, that is true, true greatness. It really is. Just finish with this last thought. The richest place in the world is, as you know, said it before, it's a cemetery. The richest place in the world. Why? There lie talents never used. Books never written. Songs never composed. Inventions never made. Callings never fulfilled. Gifts never developed. Don't leave your gifts buried in the grave. The deepest thing you can do with this message is just do it. There's no tragedy like the tragedy of unopened and unused gifts. As you use your gifts to serve God, you'll find fulfillment, purpose, satisfaction, I think, way beyond what you otherwise would. One of the greatest things that you can do, you descend into greatness, and you do that by, by serving God with the gifts that he has given you.